Tuesday. We're on page 85, pardon me. And as I explained to you, we don't learn all of the Sikhs because we simply don't have the time. We sort of do intermittent. We jump around a little bit. So this is a much later Sikh and the Fabrengen, as you can see. We're going from page whatever to 70 something until page 85. Clearly, we're skipping. This is the end of the Fabrengen, where the Rebbe was making some practical t- suggestions. So let's go, page 85. The Sikha from the Rebbe Rashab, which he said once on Simchas Hachalishus about the weakening and people being preoccupied, that means learning properly Chasidus. And the Rebbe Rashab's demand considering this Chalishus was to reenact or to enact learning Chasidus in a Chabura. Chabura means in a group, in a Chabrusa. In other words, instead of people learning by themselves in their home or in a quieter way, the Rebbe very much wanted that there should be learning Hasidus in a community where everybody could, so to speak, join together and draw from one another. You know, the Rebbe made the Shturb about Mashiach, and he spoke about learning in Yoni Mashiach or Gula or Gula or Mashiach. He also made it a priority that people should learn in public. And the Rebbe said, you want to learn more Be'iyot, with greater concentration. And therefore, you want to learn alone, do that also, but you should join a group Learn with others because the power of a chabrusa is, of course, that when you have to learn with another and you don't show up, the other wants to know where you were. So it creates a certain kinah seifim, a certain competitiveness, which is helpful. So the Rebbe Rashab, if you look in footnote 109, it says when it was, it was in Tafresha and Gimel, that there was this chalishis and lima de chasidus, and he wanted chasidim all over Russia to increase, to, to, uh, to re-strengthen, to recommit themselves to learning chasidus. And his proposal was they should learn Bachabura in a, in, a, in a community, in a larger group that would be much more effective as far as this is concerned. And there's a story, by the way, uh, that I saw it on the Living Torah. Heber from Crown Street. His father was Leibish Heber. Who knew the Rebbe from Paris in the 1930s? And the Rebbe had a shir, a shir in Gemara, I think, which the Rebbe gave. And one day it was pouring, it was mamish pouring, it was raining terribly. So Leibish Heber called up the Rebbe on the telephone, and he said to the Rebbe that he doesn't think he's going to make it to the Shi'ir. And he told the Rebbe, I don't think the Rebbe should go to the Shi'ir, because I don't think anybody's going to come anyway, and it'll be a waste of his time. So the Rebbe said to him, I don't want to be mavatal the Shi'ir, even if one person comes, it's worth it for me to go. Anyway, it rained cats and dogs for a couple hours. When it stopped raining, he called the Rebbe's house, the Rebbe picked up the phone, and he asked to speak to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, he's not home, he went to the Shi'ir. So he drove to the shul, and the Rebbe was still there, and the Rebbe told him one person came. And he said, you see, I didn't want to be the person to be to get a bit later. One person came, we learned together. And then the Rebbe added, while we were learning, I found an answer to a kasha that I had a long time. Now what does it mean? The Rebbe found the answer to a kasha he had a long time. This is really something which is hard for us to relate to. But he made the point, the fact that the Shia was in shul and there was other people participating in the Shia resulted in the fact that the Shia should not be interrupted. So the Rebbe Rashab, when trying to do something to strengthen the learning of Hasidah, said, do it by Do it in shul and do it by And he added, 
Shehiker any kamas hamishtatsum. It's not necessarily how many participate. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. There must be some kind of a group called At least two people living together. Now let me give you some history. And um, I'm not certain that what I'm about to tell you is reflecting the events that I'm about to describe. In other words, what the is talking about here. I think it is, but I can't say it with certainty. I'll just begin with this. When the Rebbe Rasha passed away, he wrote a tzavah, wrote a will. And in that will, he speaks about this. One of the things that Rebbe Rasha talked about in his will was this chaskos nishudim of chasidus, which the Rebbe Rasha had reinstituted after World War I. You see, this sikh is Mayin Gimel, which is 1912. World War I started in 1914. The Rebbe Rasha passed away in 1920, right after World War I. They had started this program before the war. The program was interrupted by the war. And as soon as the war was over, this effort at strengthening Hasidus all over Russia was reinstituted. And it's one of the things that Abba Rashab writes about in his will, that they should go back to this idea of the Hasidus in the distant cities and so on. Of course, within a year or two or three, they discovered that they had much bigger problems to deal with than a Shir Hasidus and a Shul. But this is what Abba Rashab writes in his will, which makes it very, very significant. Now I'll give you some rek, I'll give you some background. There's a sefer called Kuntri Sumayan. Kuntri Sumayan is a Maimed that Rebbe Rashab wrote in 1903, 1902, 1903, I believe. The Kuntus of Maimed was printed in America the first time in 1942, over 70 years ago. When the Kuntus of Maimed was printed, the Friedrich Rebbe gave a huge introduction. If you've ever seen the Hebrew, the English translations don't have it, but you have the Hebrew, Kuntus of Mayan, literally a half a sefer is Havdomen. A half a sefer, I don't know, 60, 70 pages, is introduction. And in this introduction, the Friedrich Rebbe essentially is quoting parts of his diary from the period of time in which the Kuntus was written. In other words, he gives you a historical sense of what was going on in the life of the Rebbe Rashab at that, in the Lubavitch at that time while he was writing the Kuntus What's strange about it is that the introduction has very little to do with the content of the Kuntus In other words, the introduction is not telling you about the Kuntus it's telling you about life in Russia in 1902 and 1903. And the very, very end it says, Today my father gave me the Kutus That's That's all the connection. Now, the Fidikabe used it as an excuse to reveal all kinds of things about the early history, the history of, of the early history of Tempchatmimim and the history of Eden in Russia that's very indirectly connected to the Kutus It's a very interesting read. I'm not sure it's translated into English because it's one of the most controversial documents that Fidikabe made public. The Fidika was involved in a lot of controversy. And he was very selective about what he published. In other words, there's a lot of things that Ebbe was involved with they didn't print. The Kuntus of Mayan has a lot of politics, a lot of controversy. One of the big issues of Kuntus of Mayan is Zionism. We discussed at length. But another thing which emerges from this introduction to the Kuntus of Mayan is what was going on amongst Hasidic Chabad in Russia. You need to understand that Russian Jews were split between Misnagdim and Hasidim. I would say 50-50. You're talking about millions of people. Millions of people. 50-50. Half the people in Rosh Hashanah are Ashkenaz. Half the people in Rosh Hashanah are And Ruba, most of them, are Nusachari. Al-Tarab is Nusachari. was the Rav of Begant Reisland. It's a fact of life. He was the Rav of all of Russia. Most of these people who were, you know, Hasidi Ageza, they have Nusachari, they have Nusachari. We're not crazy Hasidim. They were not learning Hasidus. They're not all day and all night. But this was their loyalty. This was their allegiance. Lubavitch, Chabad. 
And of course, there were all kinds of levels. You had people who were more involved, people who were less involved. When the Rebbe Rashab made Teim that was a very big Chiddush, there never was such a thing as a Chiddush Yeshiva. In Russia, Yeshivas belonged to what we would call today Misnagdim, but they weren't Misnagdim. They were just non-Hasidim. In other words, you went to a Litvish Yeshiva in Russia, you did not get indoctrinated with anti-Hasidic rhetoric. You didn't get any indoctrination. They taught you Taylor. That was it. Your beliefs, your theology, every Bach and the Yeshiva belonged to a different group. They went to different places. They had different influences. The Yeshivas did not interfere with their with their Musar, with their Hasidis. It was separate. And Lubavitcher, you know, light, traveled to Lubavitcher, Hasidis, they would get my modern, but they, there was no such thing as a Lubavitcher, as a Hasidish Yeshiva. When the Rebbe Rashab made Tempchtim, was a big Hasidish. And it sparked an incredible rejuvenation amongst Hasidic Chabad. There was something, something there was sort of speak, a center around which they could rally. Lamashal. In this introduction to the Kuntus Samaya and the Friedrich Rebbe relates how complaints arrived in Lubavitch by the dozen from all cities in Russia. The Rebbe Rashab gave out a letter about Yitas Kislev, the letter about the Shonel Hasidus. And people are writing, how, does, how could it happen that Rebbe should write such a letter and no one sent us a copy? <laughs> that was the complaint. And the Rebbe Rashab said, this siche, how come no one sent us a copy? In other words, what was happening in Lubavitch was slowly radiating out. People were finding out that Lubavitch is a happening place. This Bochel by the hundreds, by the hundreds, who are learning Hasidus and and that the Rebbe Rashab is feeding them Hasidus Chabad uh, in a very rich way, and that people all over Russia were complaining, we want whatever's going on in Lubavitch, send us. So it was a whole committee set up that would push it copy. It was copy, push it copy with your hand. It was not typed or printed. And disseminating the Hasidus all over Russia. And it created a renewed interest amongst Lubavitch and Hasidim in the learning of Hasidus and in the Fabreng edition. And this was very, very important to the Rebbe Rashab that in every city we do a Lubavitch Hasidim there should be a Shiyir Hasidus, there should be Fabreng edition, that there should be someone Chazin Hasidus in the time of Raivet and Raivet, inshallah, should someone to say a Maimir, Chazin a Maimir, and that amongst the Shabbos they should have a Malava Malka and so on. And these endeavors bore fruit. In other words, the first Tmimim that married and they moved wherever they moved, and wherever they went, wherever they lived, this is way before the revolution. It was quote-unquote a good time. It was yen good tight. It was very far from a good time, but it was compared to what would happen later, considered a good time. And they would gather around themselves on Nash, and it became a huge renewal of people learning Hasidus, and even people davening bariches, avedis So in Ein Gimel, which is a few years later, the Rebbe Rashab is lamenting the fact that he sees a slackening in this. And he told the Friedrich Rebbe, and apparently he spoke about it, that we need to, you know, remember 10 years ago, now 10 years ago is from the Rishima that I mentioned from the Quintus Samai. This is Samach Gimel, that would be 1902, 1903. The Sikh is 1912. Remember 10 years ago, people were so interested, they wanted. Now it's waning, there's a lack of, there's something... It's, it's lackluster, it's, it's losing its freshness. Let's renew it. And they undertook the strengthening of all of these endeavors successfully, very successfully, and it was interrupted by the war. And the war, I don't have to tell you about World War I. As soon as the war was over, the Rebbe Hashem went back to it. And he showed great success. And like I said to you before, this is Mamish, one of the things he writes about in his will. In hindsight, you look at it, you say that it, it, it was really 
not something that had a lot of future because what would happen to the feeding Rebbe was he couldn't afford to be involved in what his primary task was, which is to teach people Chazidus, because he had to save people from Shmad, help people have work where they wouldn't have to work Shabbos, and such other basic necessities. But when the Rebbe Nishmasayim was nostalgic, all of this was still not yet fully obvious. So he was still talking about the old issues. Anyway, this push a little history. Let's go back to the text. So the Rebbe Rashab said it was Simchas Teda, and the Rebbe Rashab felt there was a waning and a diminishing in the Shturim in Lima Dachasidus, and he therefore spoke about renewing it and emphasized and prioritized the idea that it should be done by Chabura. So let's continue now. Now, the Rebbe saying this in Simchas Teda begins the order of a Yainkev Hall of Hadaka Yidin going out into the world. Yeshlakaches as I say to Simchas Teda. Now is the time to take the inspiration of Simchas Teda and whatever really wants to say is to translate into practical actions. You say to Simchas Teda, I'll call a shona for the duration of the coming year. Shalakolechad echad that each one to Yekvias alimut Chasidus shall have a fixed time to learn Chasidus b'chol yim every single day. People shall learn Chasidus. Well, the Chalapacha at the very least, pam. Once or twice a week, people should learn Hasidus, and the Rebbe adds, They should learn in a in a group. I have a brother who just made a bris, who's a shliach in Southern California. Every shliach lives in his own shtetl, but they're very close. There's a lot of Jews in Orange County. They're very close. And they get together from time to time. Once a month, they get together. The few guys, whatever, a dozen young light get together and what it does for them is incredible the Rebbe is suggesting you should get together once or twice a week or twice or once a week and learn Chassidus that by getting together on an occasion it will add strength to that ultimately they should learn every day if not every day in the Chabura then every day by themselves and then the Rebbe says in as much as what people should learn. So the Rebbe Tahareh, Bechlau, Hasedinu, as a rule, the way things are, is that Shalaylam Yilmid Adam, Teira, Bemakim, Shalivi Chafetz. When a person learns Teira, he should discern where he wants to. You have to choose where you want to learn. But Mela, the Rebbe says, I shouldn't really tell you what to do. Omnam, however, Kivan, Shiyashne, Chayv. Since there is an obligation, I'll call Achavechat in each person. The Rebbe had spoken earlier in the Fabrengen about the obligation that everybody has to teach Hasidus, to spread Hasidus around himself. At least part of the Hasidus that people learn should be that includes such material which he's able to discuss in Bnei Beise with his family, with the community. That means to say, you want to learn deep Hasidus, no trouble, but don't learn only deep Hasidus. In addition to learning the deeper Hasidus, learn simpler Hasidus, the kind of Hasidus you can bring into your house, discuss with your family and so on. I give a shi'ir Friday Shabbos morning. And I used to give a shi'ir Friday night. So there's all kinds of people come to shi'ir. There's one guy, he's older than I am, we used to say, Stop with all the philosophy. They want to have something they can repeat by the table. <laughs> and I, I understand that. It's, it's not my cup of tea. But the Rebbe is saying you should, you can learn different Hasidus, 
but at least a part of the Hasidus one learns should be Hasidus in such a way, or should be the type of Hasidus which you can bring to your family. He should always have something ready on the tip of his tongue that he's able to share with his family. I remember being a Yeshiva Bacharel. A Bacharel, I was 14 years old, I was away from home. And uh, my teacher in Yeshiva was also a Rav in a shul. And I went to him for Shabbos. And the people in the shul asked me to say something. I was 14. I'd never spoken publicly in my life before. And uh, I, uh, I, I didn't say anything. So afterwards, my Malamid said to me, you should know, the Labavah always has to have something on the ready. You never know who's going to ask. And you have to prepare something to have for any occasion. The Rebbe said you should always be learning Hasidus and you always have a current Hasidus that you can share with another person. And then the Rebbe says, and the rest of the time, learn whatever you wish. Based on how intelligent you are and you're in the To be sure, says the Rebbe, to say learn Hasidus based on your Shadesh and Shama, I'm not so sure how relevant that is. Because in the Rebbe's own thoughts, there aren't many people who are that tuned into themselves to be able to appreciate, you know, what's going on with their neshama. But at the very least, whatever, whatever you, is your fancy, whatever you enjoy, whatever speaks to you, is what a person should learn. But the Rebbe suggests, but in addition, also learn chesidah that you share with another. This is really part of the new Lubavitch, you know, the Lubavitch of Ufaratzta, that every Lubavitch of Chosid has to appreciate that even his own limud has to entail something which is going to serve another. So you yourself are holding <laughs> There's a yid in Toronto, his name is Rabbi Biski. My son is now learning by him. He's a very Hasidic yid, he knows a lot of Hasidic. When he, I don't know how many years ago, but the Rebbe sent him to live in, in Italy, in a place called La Dispoli. Why? Because when the Russians were leaving Russia, the Russian government, this is talking about the 70s and 80s, didn't let them go directly to Israel because there was no diplomatic relations between Russia and Israel. So they would leave Russia and go to Italy, the Syrian disbelief, and then they would make immigration papers where they went to America, they went itself from there. So I know many, many people who ended up in the disbelief and they would spend as much as two or three months there. They were all immigrants. And the Rebbe said, Pasha Yunga Manashliach, Thirukalim, I know many, many people, many people who he made through. <laughs> It came out, I know a, a student of mine whose parents left Russia for one reason. They had a son who was a genius in piano. And they came out of Russia so that he could be able to go to the best music schools and become a world-class pianist. And they met this guy, Bisky, and that was the end of that. He's a Hasidic young man lives here in Crown Heights. <laughs> He's a nurse by profession. He's not feeling his family. He's not a pianist. They left Russia so that he could further his career. And he met, it's a true story, and he met this guy, Bisky. They became from they live in Grand Heights. It's very hard to because you have no community. People come and go. So, Anyway, eventually that shut down. When the late 80s and the early 90s, they were no longer going through Italy. They were going directly to Israel, directly to America. His shlichus ended by default. So he moved to Toronto. And this is a yid who knows like Valt Chesidus. This is his thing. So he had a yid, he went to Dollars by the Rebbe. And he asked the Rebbe, or he informed the Rebbe, the Rebbe was already informed that he's, he's no reason to stay in Italy because they're not passing through anymore and that he's moving to Toronto. So the Rebbe gives him a dollar and says, from Toronto which means from Toronto you can also reach the seventh heaven. Meaning to say, the Rebbe knows his customers. This is a Yid whose whole world is Chesidus. 
you know, you, you were sitting that in Italy, being and yourself, you were flying in the sky, you'll go to Toronto, you do the same thing. You were Makar of Eden, and yourself, you'll fly in the sky. But the point is, you can't only fly in the sky. There needs to be also a part of your life and a part of your learning which you can share with your family and share with your community. Because your futsam and asecha chutzah, as the Rebbe says it, is a chaynas gavra. The idea that part of what I do has to be to be able to share with another is part of my role, my definition. It's not an option. It's not something that I do when I, if I like it or I'm good at it. It's an obligation. So the Rebbe says, you should learn chasidus what you want. But also have with you a chasidus that you can share always on the ready. And then the Rebbe continues. Lamedal, bottom of page 85. In your nasif Shabbatani In addition to this idea that the Rebbe says, I want to encourage people to learn extra chasidus on. But I want to just add something. All of you know the story with the Nagunim. Everybody knows the story with the Nagunim. The story of the Nagunim is the Rebbe came in to show some chasidus. And he started giving mashke. And while the Rebbe was giving mashke, the Rebbe, they were singing the Gunim. So in the middle of the giving mashke, singing the Gunim, the Rebbe said they should sing a nigan, and nobody knew it. So the Rebbe taught it. And it looked very coincidental. It looked very uh, happenstancy, like a, it's impromptu. But there was clearly planned. There's no doubt the Rebbe planned it. And that became a tradition. For the next nine years, the Rebbe would teach a nigan every year. The last year he taught 10, to a total of but it looked very, very casual. What people don't know is that the year before the Rebbe also came into show. This is Tov Shintesvav, 1954. That Simchas Tehra, the Rebbe came in, the Seder was, the Rebbe had Hakafas. Hakafas finished between 3 and 3.30 in the morning. Then the Rebbe went upstairs to the Fiyadik Rebbe's leader, the Fiyadik Rebbe's apartment, and had to this Yom Tif, and then around 5.30, 6 in the morning, the Rebbe came downstairs, and he went into the Shalash with a bottle of Mashkin, he got up on a box and he would say, anybody who undertakes to learn additional nigla, this is I'm going to give Mashke. So he did it in 1954, and he gave Mashke. And I'm assuming that while the Rebbe was giving Mashke, they sang the Gunnah, but there may have been a smaller crowd. The next year he came in the, again and he said, Karogel Shona, it was only the second time, as is the custom every year. I give Mashke to anybody who's going to agree to take increased nigla chsidis. And then the Rebbe told Darkicha. So this is Tezvav. This is the year before. The Rebbe didn't teach a new nigan that year. But the Rebbe is talking now, Sim Chasteida, I'm going to surmise, and this is a cash we said the night before. The night before, the Rebbe said, I'm going to give you mashke, if you take an increase in chasidus and nigla. So the next day, the Rebbe says, when I'm talking to you about chasidus, you have to divide your chasidus into two parts. The chasidus that you're learning, this is your fancy, this is your gishmat. And the chasidus that you're learning, they should have in your pocket to share with somebody else. I'm assuming that this is the pshat, although I don't know it as a matter of fact. This year, the Rebbe didn't teach a nigit tezvav. The following year, tezayin, the Rebbe taught dal kicha. If Rebbe composed music, I don't hear you. If I don't know. The nigunim that he taught, as a rule, were not new. They were old. They were nigunim that is. People know. People know. People who knew the nigunim that Rebbe taught. Some of the nigunim that Rebbe taught, some people knew. I don't know. Anyway, so this is my suggestion that the Rebbe is speaking here about learning chassidus. The cash that we said the night before. I want you to know the Rebbe stopped giving mashke. The Rebbe stopped at Chavdalit. The following year, his mother passed away, so the Rebbe didn't go to Avelis. But the reason the Rebbe gave for stopping it is because everybody went to take mashke. And a kid, eight, nine years old, is taking mashke. The Rebbe says to him, You're going to learn chassidus. And he looks at the Rebbe with a funny face. And the Rebbe says, You're making a mockery of me. I met my father, he used to tell this to me as a child, how upset the Rebbe was. The Rebbe said, I'm giving mashka for a purpose. And people are openly 
not being sincere about it. So the Rebbe stopped the Nagunim because he stopped the Mashke. The Nagunim was an addendum to the Mashke. We remember the Nagunim. But the Rebbe did it in the spirit of giving Mashke for a people who are going to make an increase in the Nigla and the And the Rebbe stopped it because he said, The Rebbe said, Next year I'll see. Because he wasn't happy about the fact that he was being disregarded, Pachin. Because he was saying, I'm not giving Mashke Stamas, I'm giving Mashke to anybody that's going to learn more and let's move on. Lama Dalit. In your Nasif there's another thing I want to propose. I've already discussed this in the past. About the idea that every single day, the people should learn on the way of life. The laws which are practically relevant. This is a very big problem in our society. People don't know what din. You know, the brisket of Chaim brisket, as it they tell me. When he saw the Mishnah Bruder, which is the Chavetz Chaim, he says, this was written for a Jew who didn't grow up in a Jewish home. <laughs> you grow up in a Jewish home, you know what you You don't grow up in a Jewish home, you have to read in a book how you hold a cup for kids. You watch your father and you imitate it. This is a long time ago. Today we need so many such books because so many of us, in quotes, didn't grow up in Jewish homes. And you don't have to be a Balchuba for that. You have to just grow up in a home with parents and Kenanish. And the Rebbe lamented, you have people sitting in yeshiva and in koil, learning and learning and learning and learning and learning and learning, and you ask them a din in Shabbos, they don't know. Because it's not Londish. You have to learn Kotchim, you have to learn Ezekiel, you have to learn Mayid, you have to learn Nashim. The Rebbe said, you have to know a din. And the Rebbe very much lamented and repeatedly complained about the fact that you have people, including Tamid Echachamim, who don't know a din in Erechaim. And the Rebbe said, people have to learn the Shulchan Aruch and know mitzvahs. Every day you have to learn. I get on my phone every day from two different organizations a halacha a day. From one, I get one halacha, and one, I get two halachas a day. I'm learning Hilchas Mezuzah from one place, I'm learning Hilchas Bessner from another place. It's a Gavaldi Kazakh. I'm not covering the whole thing. I, I'm a very busy person, or whatever. That's my excuse, at least. Every day, I learn a din. Learn one halacha a day. And you should know if people would undertook to learn from the beginning, and every day, learn one halacha. In a very short time, you'll find yourself knowing a lot of din. Or start from the beginning of Hilchah Shabbos. So the Rebbe says about Hilchah Shabbos, we make so many mistakes out of ignorance. Shigir Gaz Talmud Eilazodim. So the Rebbe says, I want people to learn everyday dinim. Doesn't have to be a lot. There's three or four or five different translations of Kitzvah in English. Undertake to learn one din a day, just one. But every day, the accumulation is extraordinary. So the Rebbe says, Harakadeshalim Mudzeh. So again, the Rebbe says, in order for this lima to be permanent, I think this is what Rabbi Blooming does. He comes here and learns dinim. Yeah. Unfortunately, not enough people stick around. You have to, the Rebbe wants every day to learn dinim and not to be a Tamut Chochem. Poshet to know how to behave. If not every day, at least once or twice a week. And the other day is Kifisha TF Shadows. In other words, once or twice a week, you get together in a group and you learn dinim. And the rest of the days, you learn as much as you could. But the Rebbe says, I want you to learn chesidus every day. And I want you to learn halacha every day. And the Rebbe says, it doesn't matter how much, but you got to do it every day. It's necessary. Don't learn exotic halachas. You don't have to know how to make a marriage. You have to know how to make a blech. You have to know what constitutes carrying, what constitutes making a knot, what constitutes squeezing, what constitutes mukta what constitutes cooking and so and so on. To know how to make a brach on food. 
Amr Chazal the Gemara says, "Hayman the boy l'mevich hasida l'kaya mil the brachas to be a chassid is not to make brachas." In the olden days, when London, when Goinim used to meet, the way they would test each other is they put on food and they'd watch how you made brachas. When the Tzemach Tzedek met the Gedeli Amisnagel, they put fruit on the table and they watched which fruit he made a bracha and which fruit he took first. Because there's go'inus in brachas. There's go'inus in the din of what food you eat first, what food you eat later, and so on. Hilchas tefillah had a davenu kedemen. Ubechlal, and then in a more general way, halachas regel beregel. When it gets closer to yomtif, you should interrupt the limud of every day and learn the halachas of yomtif to gain, for example, lifne chanukah, lil medluchas chanukah kiyetzabesa. There should be a schedule. Every day you learn a din. When it gets a couple weeks before chanukah, you stop without learning. And get all, if, I'm telling you, for women, for so learning Kitzit and for man also. Kitzit Shachan Arach, the Rebbe said, the schuf that the person who wrote the Kitzit Shachan Arach has is indescribable. It's been printed over a hundred prints. Kitzit. It's only 200 years old. It's less than 200 years old. Because Kitzit Shachan Arach has brought so many Yiddishamayim to the Jewish homes, it's indescribable. And the whole mile is that it's Kitzit. Kitzit Shachan Arach is not going to make you a scholar. Kitzit Shachan Arach won't always tell you what to do, but it'll make you aware of what you need to know that if you don't know, you'll ask. But if people learned every day, they would be doing themselves an incredible favor. So the Rebbe spoke number one about learning Chassidus and points out two things. Chabura, you should get together in a group and you should learn Chassidus that you could share. Number two, learn Halacha. And again, he mentions at least a couple of times a week in a Chabura. And number three, a third thing. Since all the blessings of the Eibishten, they materialize physically through tzedakah. In order to affect that all the good things should come down, should come down to our daily lives. It's important for people to give tzedakah every day. Now a person forgets. So one of the earliest ideas of the innumerable campaigns that have been made was something called Keren Hashanah. And I usually talk about it here. Keren Hashanah means that you should give tzedakah based on the number of days in the year. This year is 354. So you give 3,054 cents or 35,040 cents or $354 and so on. And the Rebbe will give tzedakah for you every single day. And the Rebbe says Keren Hashanah works even in retrospect. If you give it late, the Rebbe will give tzedakah in hindsight. That this way, if you forget... You are giving tzedakah every day. Because tzedakah is the most important thing. Yitnu tzedakah ba'kupak falls. Everybody should get tzedakah to the general fund. Skum prutes, a number of pennies. Or you should add matbeah samadina, whatever currency is in your land. Shem shava pruta, which is worth a pruta the yetzer. Kifi mispa yemei hashana. Based on the number of days of the year. Kimedubar inyan zeba As we discussed this at length. The year before, which was Yudal. It could be, and I don't know for sure, but it could be that the year before they have introduced the idea for the first time, Keren Hashanah. Keren Hashanah, I don't remember if we learned it last year. But Keren Hashanah is an idea that Rebbe spoke about every year in the beginning of the year. There's a certain things that Rebbe always spoke about. One of the things that you don't have here, which the Rebbe usually spoke about, was Chitas. They spoke about Chitas. There were regular things. Here the Rebbe speaks about three things. Chesidus, learning Halacha, and tzedakah every day through Keren Hashan. Lastic sikh is already available. There's no need for me to go it over a second time. You learn it on your own. But, I'm mentioning it. And, 
the difference between last year and this year in as much as this year is as follows last year was a leap year and therefore days in the year by the way there's only six possible numbers of days in a year 385, 384, 383 and then 355, 354 and 353 Shin and Gimel, Shin and Alden, Shin and Hay, Shin Pei Gimel, Shin Pei Dalton. Because whenever you have a leap year, the extra order is always 30 days. Always 30 days. Since last year, there were 383 days in the year. The Shana Zui, Shana Pshuta, this year is a regular year, or Kasidra. It's orderly. Chedish Malay, the Chedish Chasacheshwin is missing a day, and Kisim is full, and therefore the number of years in this year is Shin Nun Dalton, which is 354. Well, Achain, the Rebbe proposes again, Yitnu Shin Nudalat Matveyas. You should give 354 coins, and even pennies, or nickels. Ba'akupa de Shin Nudalat, into this kupa of Keren Hashanah for this year, says the Rebbe, and since you're going to be giving tzedakah every day, says we'll bring about all of the blessings, and the good things, that I spoke about last year with you. Those are three separate points that the Rebbe raises. See this? Halacha and stuck every day. And the Rebbe concludes the Fabreng. And I'm reading this already the next Sikha, but I'm going to continue reading. The Rebbe said this thing the Alta Rebbe's Nigan, and then the Nigan Yajit. The Rebbe used to always ask a Nigan Achona, and then Alta Rebbe. But I here, the Rebbe didn't ask for Achona Nigan. And then he says, This year, Vaistuis was on. Friday. So right after Simchas Teda, Nichnosam Biyad Shabbos Bereshis, he went into Shabbos, just like this year. Just like here, we had Simchas Teda was Friday, right away with Shabbos Bereshis. Bereshis, Bora, Bedi Chadash, a new creation. So therefore, you have to have it off from this as well. The messages. Immediately, you have the idea of going out into the world. And as you know, I've told this to you a number of times in this Sikha alone. The first Madreig is to take home from the Yerid, from the Hakafis, what you took. And the second is once you get home, it's Farah Fernandez packing the peck to take apart, to do inventory of what you collected. It's necessary to begin. Shuv again. The regular Avaid of the whole year. A person can make a consideration. Since Tishrei was v'cholu, and I'm supposed that v'cholu means not so good. All the leap of a yish, a person can chas fall into despair. They get very, very depressed when they think about where they're holding. You see footnote fifty nine, yeah. You see fifty nine, yeah. Yeah, you know what 59 is? Chosere is a tevet. There's words missing. In other words, the Rebbe spoke from Divrei Musa, which they took out. You think, I'm not in the best of shape. My tishay wasn't so good. You're going to fall into a despair. It's, it's new. Whatever was, was. It's not at all a contradiction what's going to be. In other words, even if your tishay wasn't good, your, t- your bereshis can be good. Usually the whole year depends on the tishay. Here the Rebbe is saying, maybe a Tishrei wasn't to say that it's not too late. Bereshis could be your Rosh Hashanah. Shechel Elias Be'efron, the Bereshis, but a Bereshis, you could use Rosh Hashanah, Bereshis, Shabbos Bereshis, as your new year. 